Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson. I am a mom to eight kids, five boys and three girls. Most of them are grown now. So we have six grandkids and we still have two teenagers at home. So we've been homeschooling for over 24 years and I've been married to my husband, Daryl, for almost 30 years. And one of the questions we get and have gotten a lot over the years is, first of all, are they all yours? And second of all, are they all yours together? And so for our family, it's yes and yes to both of those questions in case you're a new listener. Um, One thing that I have talked about several times on my podcast is anxiety. And one of the reasons I share it with you all is because it's been a very real experience for me. And today I'm going to be sharing more on that topic. But I've been amazed at how much response I have gotten to those podcasts. And I think part of it is just uh, me being transparent with how I'm really being affected by this and what God is doing. And I just feel like when God is working in my life, I have a responsibility to share that with as many people as possible because it gives glory to Him. It is a testimony of His faithfulness. And I do not have all the answers for anxiety, but I can tell you what God's been doing in my life through it. And chances are there's going to hopefully be a few things at least that resonate with you. And maybe even some things that can help you in your journey, and maybe if you're experiencing anxiety as well, um, you can benefit from some of the things that the Lord's been teaching me. I think this is so important for us to do, but it starts... um, In order for us to have real meaningful community, we have to be transparent. And so that is my goal, is to be transparent with you all. And that's what I've been along the way. So I am about 18 months into this particular journey. Now, if if I back up a little bit, um, I've experienced anxiety off and on throughout, you know, uh, my years raising kids. Um... I don't know that it was unusual or out of the ordinary or more or less than anyone else. And I'm not really sure right now what I'm experiencing, how it compares to someone else. But you know what? I don't think it really matters. I think that we can all relate to the commonalities that come with experiencing anxiety. We also know that anxiety is um, becoming epidemic in our culture, which I find really interesting because Never really have we been more safe and had more conveniences and more protections and more things available to us, and yet here we are, more anxious than ever. And I can't help but wonder if God wants to use that anxiety to draw us closer to Him. He wants to use that to reveal Himself to us in a very real and personal way way. So I've been on this particular journey for about 18 months and I um, there's some physical things that have gone into it, but I'm not even going to go into all of that because I don't feel like that's really as important as dealing with the anxiety piece of this. And back in May, I shared what um, it was feeling like for me to sort of be in the thick of it and where I thought God was leading me. And a couple important things, if you didn't hear those podcasts, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. But a couple of the really main things that came out of those podcasts was uh, simplicity. That when God is uh, answering my prayers, so often 
I find that his answers are so much simpler than I ever thought they could be. So I had um, a whole slew of supplements that I was taking and this particular doctor was recommending more and more and I could see that what was, I could see the writing on the wall, which is basically, I am going to be taking this stuff and more stuff and more stuff for the rest of my life and that is not the direction that I wanna go. I'm all about trying to do things naturally but even though these were natural supplements and everything, it just has been feeling so burdensome. Burdensome, And so the Lord really laid on my heart. He used a dear friend of mine to remind me that his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It doesn't mean we're not called to do hard things sometimes, but there will be an underlying peace. And I just wasn't feeling that underlying peace. And by talking with her, I kind of realized that and I was able to sort of bring things down to the bare minimum of what I felt like, you know, just really prayed over it. So, Lord, which ones are important? And I will take those. So that's what happened with that. The other thing um, that I learned and I shared in the last podcast was I realized where I had to ask myself where I was putting my hope and trust. Because even if we're doing something natural or we're doing something that we should feel good about, the question is, are we putting our hope and confidence in it? And I found that I was doing that. I was putting a fair amount of hope and confidence in this doctor because she happened to be a natural doctor and these supplements because they were natural. And you know what? God does not want that. He did not create us for that. And so he sort of, you know, pulled the rug out from underneath me and basically hasn't allowed me to feel enough better to be convinced that this is the route I'm supposed to take. Um, He allowed me to feel discouraged. He allowed me to feel overwhelmed by the addition of more supplements. So, So God is revealing himself in this anxiety and in the, this difficulty and um, these complications. And the more um, I f- had was finding that, the more complicated things got, the more I tried to control. Because somewhere along the way, I began to think that all of this is up to me. And again, like I said before, my hope and my confidence turned toward myself and what I thought I could figure out and fix. Now, this doesn't just apply to health issues. This can apply to any area of our lives. And so I'm going to continue to share what the Lord's been doing. So um, James 1 says to pray for wisdom, and I really bank on that scripture. And I had been praying for wisdom, but even in doing that, sometimes we can still walk away with this feeling that it's dependent on us, um, the supplements, for example. So today I want to share with you what's changed and how it's changed. So I mentioned in the last podcast on anxiety that I was beginning to study the Psalms one at a time. That was one of the things that the Lord was leading me to do. And guys, I can tell you, I have been in the Psalms for almost 50 days now. I only missed one day and I had a really good excuse. Um, (laughs) But I've only missed one day in the last 50 days, about 50 days. And I'm telling you guys, it's been a game changer. The thing... one of the reasons that um, 
I don't know. Actually, I don't know why God brought me to the Psalms, but I just felt drawn there. And as I've been, even on the, from the first Psalm on, I knew this is where I, this is definitely where I was supposed to be. This is where God wants me. Because every single Psalm has brought something to me that has come from the Lord. But what I've been doing is I'll read through a Psalm and then I will read my study notes in my New Living Translation. It's the Illustrated Study Bible. And I'll read the notes on that, and then I'll go back and read through it again, and sometimes I'll go back again and pray through it. And that really helped me wrap my head around those psalms. It took more than one trip through each psalm to have it really begin to sink and maybe I'm just a little slow or unfocused or whatever, but that's what I needed. And then I would journal either things I was feeling, things I felt like the Lord was showing me, specific verses that stood out to me, even specific notes in the study notes that stood out to me that really seemed to apply with how I was feeling that day or um, in this particular season. So um, I know some of you have taken that same practice on and, and are really being blessed by it. So The Psalms are a particularly comforting book in the Bible, but here was the thing. I needed to connect with the Word, and that's why I needed to read it so many times. And I also needed to connect with God. And what I mean by that was it it doesn't mean I wasn't praying before, but I don't know about you. When I'm experiencing anxiety and um, just this emotional and mental sort of uh, prison is what it feels like, I tend to not really connect with what's happening around me. I don't connect with the Word. I don't necessarily connect when I'm praying. I'm not praying honest prayers from my heart. I'm just praying what I think I should pray because I believe that there's sort of this this numbness that comes when we have, when we're experiencing anxiety or when we're experiencing depression. And it's so important that we connect with the word and that we connect with God. So as I would write these things out in my notebook, I would look back on my notes that day, um, throughout the day, believing that God had spoken and I needed to be reminded of what he said because he says the truth. God speaks the truth regardless of how I feel. So when we're walking through these days and these feelings are just like there and we can't seem to escape them, we need to bring our thought life back into yielding to the truth. So in other words, when God says that he's going to provide and take care of me, or that he is my shelter and my high tower, or that he covers me with his wings, no no matter how I feel, that is the truth. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. So it's very important for us to be going back to the truth. It is for me I know this is what I've been finding, back to the truth over and over and over and over again, regardless of how I feel. Because here's the thing, and this is a scientific fact, you guys, our brains can get into ruts where it is hardwired to think negatively or hardwired to think anxiously. And pretty soon we're not even 
controlling it anymore. It is controlling us. It becomes all-consuming. And the cool thing about God's Word is that it never comes back void. And that as we read it and as we let it soak into our spirit, it becomes um, part of who we are and it begins to rewire our brains. That's the other scientific fact that is true. Even though our brains can be become hardwired toward negativity and anxiety, it can be rewired towards positivity, towards truth, towards hope. And I believe the best way for us to do that is through the Word of God, because the Word of God is powerful. It says that in Timothy. The Word of God is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to discern and to decipher between what is true and what isn't, so that we need the truth of God's Word right there, ready for us to be repeating over and over and over again, even if it's just a couple of sentences that you're remembering throughout the day. It doesn't matter. It's still the Word of God and it's still the truth. We don't want to let our brains and our hearts become and our spirits become consumed by our circumstances, by anxiety, by depression, by uh, things that are going on around us. And let me just stop for just a minute here. I do not want to give the impression ever that I am against medication. I have taken it myself in the past for a period of time uh, to recover from some really big life events that I just wasn't recovering from. So, and it was very helpful during that season. And then I got off of it. But the truth is that everybody is different. I would just encourage you to not assume that you need to be on it forever. That maybe God has another plan for you. I can't say that for sure, but I would encourage you to pray about it and ask him, what he thinks and what he wants for you. Because you guys, I'm telling you, we can pray for the impossible. And I'm going to be talking about that in just a little while. But if you look at Romans 12, um, I'm, I'm referencing what I just talked about, not being consumed by our circumstances and sometimes not even letting our bodies be in charge. In Romans 12, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't you love that? God's saying, bring your whole self, your mind, your heart, everything to me and present it as a sacrifice. That this is truly the way to worship him. You know, we can worship him in singing and in praise and in prayer, but we also worship him by bringing our bodies to him and yielding to him and asking him to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think. And as that happens, his will, his perfect will is revealed. Isn't that awesome, you guys? So some very important things that I learned I have learned so far, I'm sure I'm not nearly finished yet. This will go on and on and on because I'm only on Psalm 49 right now. 
But some wonderful takeaways that I've had so far from the Psalms is number one, the Psalms never discredit or look down on the sufferer. They never minimize our suffering. They never say, oh, it's all in your head, or you're just being dramatic, or this, that, or the other thing. The Psalms never do that to us. Isn't that awesome? This is God speaking words of comfort to us. The second thing is God always rescues. This message lingers consistently throughout the Psalms. Whether we feel like it or not, this is the truth, you guys. God always rescues. It's not always in our timing. It's not always the way we hope for, but he always rescues. Sometimes we have to wait. And asking the Lord to work quickly in times of great need is also common in the Psalms. That's not unusual. But wisdom and experience do teach us that God's people must often wait for Him to act. Because here's the thing. Something happens during this waiting time. Something amazing. Something deep. This is one thing that I have learned over the years. That often when I am waiting on the Lord, God is doing a work that I cannot see or even feel for that matter. But it is something eternal. You guys, trust me on this. I truly believe that when we are waiting on the Lord and and we are suffering in the meantime, but we are waiting on Him, that is valuable. That holds eternal value. And someday when we get to heaven, we're going to look back on it and we're going to see the amazing deep work that God did in our hearts for eternity during that time. So be patient. In Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Do you hear that? It takes courage and bravery to wait for the Lord. But when we do, God is doing something amazing. The third thing that I learned, um, so the first was that the Psalms never discredit or look down on the sufferer. The second, God always rescues. The third, he is the only one who can truly rescue us and give us what we really, really need. And often when we're waiting on him, that's exactly what he's doing. My experience has been that when I've been in that place of waiting and it feels like nothing is changing and yet I'm saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you and I'm trusting you and I'm declaring that you always rescue, that you always, always care and that you are covering me with your wings and I'm speaking out the Psalms unfailingly down the road when the time of suffering sort of lifts, I see a change in me. I see fruit in my heart and in my life that was never there before. And it may have had nothing to do with the thing that was causing me to suffer. But I suddenly see God used it somehow to do something amazing in an area that I maybe had been praying for for years and didn't think that that area was ever going to change. So you guys, hang in there. Trust God. But it's these reasons that I just mentioned, that he never looks down on us. He always rescues, and he's the only one who can truly rescue us and give us what we really need, and he does that. These are the reasons that it is not only safe, but it makes perfect sense to put our hope and our trust in him. Those are the reasons. Those are such good reasons. And actually, it's only logical when you think of those things and you really believe those things to be true, 
it's only logical to put our hope in Him. Now, the world looks at us and thinks we're crazy, and sometimes even other Christians will think we're crazy for trusting God for something, um, you know, something that maybe they would have a hard time trusting God for. But again, when we know our God, it makes perfect sense to put our hope and trust in Him. And this is the thing. The Psalms reveal who He is. And as our eyes are turned to who He is, the things that we're struggling with begin to shrink. They become less when God becomes more. Another thing that God reminded me of as I've gone through this study is the power of confession. And that's really on two fronts. Um, It's, uh, first of all, just daily confession, just going to the Lord and admitting to Him that I need Him, that I'm sure that throughout yesterday or you know today, whenever I'm praying, um, that my heart has turned away from Him over and over and over again in many different ways where maybe I didn't even notice. Um, I confess to Him the ways that I've failed. And you know what, you guys? There is power in that. That is not demeaning. That is meant... for us to unload. Like God has already forgiven our sins. They are covered. They are removed from us as far as the East is from the West. But there's something powerful about confessing and then making that declaration that to thank God that these things I just mentioned, God, they're totally forgiven. They are washed away. They are removed from me as far as the East is from the West. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death because what the law was powerless to do, Christ did in his own body by dying on the cross. You guys, that is powerful, powerful stuff. So um, to continue with my story, (coughs) so I started into the Psalms and I happened to visit with another friend along the way. And this is a lifelong friend that I can tell just about anything to. And I was um, asking, just telling her sort of uh, the, the times when I experienced the most anxiety in the day and all of that. And she encouraged me to change up my schedule. She said, what about if you did this in the mornings instead of this? And because this is another piece to anxiety and depression and emotional and uh, mental struggles, um, is you've got to get out of your element, I think. We need a fresh perspective. And so uh, fortunately, God um, provided a couple of trips to the beach just sort of spontaneously that allowed me to be pulled out of of my everyday rut along with changing my schedule. Um, You guys, that really made a difference. And so I don't know if that's helpful for you or not, but um, again, I was transparent with a friend and God gave me a gift in return. He gave me um, a little piece of, 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 of the answer, of something that will help me as I walk through this season. So as I went through the Psalms, it was very interesting because it was a battle, you guys, I kid you not, to connect with the scriptures, to connect with God every day. But I'm telling you, about three weeks into it, I started to notice a marked change. But I can tell you that in those three weeks, it got worse before it got better. And here's why. I have been reading a book. I just finished it. It's called It's Time to Pray. And I think I've mentioned it before. And you guys, I cannot recommend this book 
highly enough. I put an announcement on Facebook and said, hey guys, I have a question. I want to, you know, I need my prayer life needs help big time and it's needed help for a long time. Do you guys have any suggestions? Had a whole bunch of suggestions made, didn't know which one to decide, prayed over it and just felt really uh, led to this particular book. And I'm telling you guys, this has been a game changer. If you can get the book, I would encourage you to get it. It's called It's Time to Pray by Carter Conlon. And he is the pastor of the New York Times Square Church. My husband and I are taking a trip up the East Coast in October, and I am trying to time it so that I can go to his church, find his sermons online as well. Huge encouragement. But this book on prayer was so solid and so biblical and so inspiring. But one of the one of my takeaways from it is uh, one piece of it where he talks about how the enemy works. So I mentioned that things got worse before they got better. And here is what Carter had to say. This is how the enemy works. He manifests his power before God does his work in order to put fear and doubt into our minds and to stop us from trusting God. When the enemy shows his hand, it's because God is about to do something amazing. So often we give up at the very point of true victory. He also said you will never rely on the supernatural the supernatural until the natural ends. So we come to the end of ourselves. In other words, until you come to the end of yourself, your skills, your schemes, and your manipulation of circumstances, you will not experience the power of God working out the impossible in your life. Wow. Seriously, you guys, that was powerful. And I went back to that over and over and over again. And here's the thing. This is how the enemy works. He loves to manifest his power really quickly first so that he can throw you off and cause you to get your eyes on things you can be afraid of, things we can doubt, um, including doubting God, to get our eyes off of his God's character and who he really is. He manifests his power before God does his work. So fear and doubt can come into our hearts and minds and stop us from trusting God. But when he shows his hand, it's because God's about to do something amazing. So maybe you're at a point right now where you are about to give up. You have been trusting God and you're about to give up. I want to encourage you not to give up. I want to encourage you, in fact, to dig your heels in and pray the scriptures even more over the situation that you're in. God wants to move. He wants to show himself to you in such a real and personal way that you can't, you will be jumping for joy and shouting hallelujah when it's all said and done. You guys, we believe God for far too little. He is able and willing to do so much. We pray, we pray by his leading. We pray the scriptures over um, our situations and we watch God work. I want to share a quick little testimony with you about that. Another thing that I've learned in my prayer life Our daughter um, was uh, about to have another baby um, just this last week. She was a little bit overdue. I don't know if you all know, but her first baby was overdue and then ended up being stillborn. So the next two babies, she just did C-section, didn't go past her due date because she just, um, well, the first one went past due date. 
lost him. The second one, she tried laboring. Um, it went south really, really fast, and it was just not a good situation, and she ended up having a C-section. It was super-duper stressful, so the next one, she just decided to have a scheduled C-section. She was so tired of the stress and um, the fear, but all that to say, God has done, um, and, and the whole time, God's been working in her heart. You know, He's been bringing healing and bringing redemption, but she had those babies pretty close together, and it's a process, you know? So over the last couple of years, God's really been working, and then in this particular pregnancy, she has gone head-to-head, toe-to-toe with her fears, with the enemy, um, and she felt God was compelling her to do a VBAC, to have um, a baby vaginally. And I'm telling you, the story of how that unfolded was unbelievable. I'm not going to go into it all now. I'm hoping she'll come onto the podcast and share it. But while we were in the waiting phase, thinking she might be starting to labor and not knowing what, what was going to happen, where was this going to go? Is she going to be able to do this? And so um, I was in prayer and I was bringing all these, you know, scenarios were running through my head, you know, all the possibilities and none of them seemed like, like what would happen. You know, they just sort of ended in anxiety and that not knowing. You guys probably can relate to that. And so I just took all of that and I began to just quiet my heart before the Lord. And I just still was still before him. And I just began to just pray a little bit and ask the Lord for leading. And all of a sudden, I just could feel his anointing. I could feel him telling me what to pray for her. And so what he brought to mind um, was a lot of things, but one of them was um, that uh, a piece of that song from No, uh, no Longer a Slave to Fear, right? You guys know that song, you're familiar with it. But this particular part of it, I just prayed, God, split the sea so she can walk right through it. Drown her fears in perfect love. Um, Rescue her so she can stand and sing, I am a child of God. And I prayed that over her and I could just feel the Holy Spirit that that's what God wanted me to pray over her. I didn't know how all this was going to end. But that's what I felt led to do. And you guys, I'm telling you, that's what we need to do. We need to listen. Lord, What? how are you telling me to pray for this partic- particular situation? I've gone into so much of my prayer life just praying what I think I should pray or praying, you know, A, B, or C, your will be done, you know. And sometimes that's appropriate. But stopping and listening to the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm telling you, there is something about being in this place of anxiety and and physical struggles and things that is making, that is tuning me into it. And I, I, I can declare with all confidence that He will do the same for you. Take the time to listen. Let Him use this time to tune you in to His Holy Spirit and what He wants you to be praying over the different situations in your life that are possibly making you anxious. So I will just say one thing. The birth was unbelievably glorious and answers on all fronts and then some. And I'm not going to tell the story. You guys are going to have to wait because I want her to tell the story. Um, but, but God did exactly what he led me to pray for. Because when God tells us to pray for something, that is his will. That is what he wants. And we just need to speak it out loud and ask him for it. <laughs> 
So I want to share with you a few, um, actually, I'm, I'm not going to share a few of the passages with you because there were so many in the Psalms. I'm going to share one with you. The first one in the first Psalm, the first verse, because right off the bat, God was speaking to my heart when it came to the Psalm, when it came to the Psalms. Um, but again, one thing that I want you to keep in mind is not to re- let yourself remain disconnected from the scripture as you read and, and from prayer as you pray, okay? Don't forget that. Even if it's just for a short time, and maybe you have to, and for me, I had to actually really focus on doing that every single day, making myself do it because my heart wanted to wander and my brain didn't want to focus. And you guys, it was so frustrating and so hard to start with. But even if I only did it for a short time, I made sure I got my heart to that place before I left my prayer time. And um, if for some reason it was interrupted, I did it as soon as I could. So I just want to encourage you in that. It is so important that we ask God to help our hearts and minds engage in the word and prayer. And again, make ourselves do this. Um, Reading until it's sinking in. Um, One of the testimonies that I want to share with you is I'd experienced some personal uh, betrayal from someone close to me. And... It was, I was going to bed that night and I could not get it out of my head. Again, it was playing over and over and over again. What happened, what I wish I'd said, what I wish I could say. And it was just causing a lot of angst in my heart as I'm trying to go to sleep, right? Does not, does not go well. Well, I happened to have read that Psalm 23 uh, really close to that time. And I happened to have it memorized because my mom when I was very young, had me memorize both Psalm 1 and Psalm 23. Now, I memorized it in the King James Version, but it works for me. So I just continued to repeat that Psalm until that was sinking in and my focus was on the Great Shepherd and on what that Psalm had to say to me and what was true about God. I repeated it over and over and over again. And you know what? my heart was changed. I stopped thinking about what I should say or what I wanted to say or what had happened or how I'd been hurt. And I began to think about God and I began to realize that he was my shepherd, that I I didn't have any needs. Not really, because he is my shepherd. He meets my needs. And so I don't need someone else to approve of me. I don't even need someone else to understand me in order to have peace of heart. Because this is this is the truth, you guys. We can be struggling in our circumstances and we can still have peace of heart. But how does that happen? It's got to happen by focusing on the truth. And the truth is God's word. It is the only truth. There's going to be all kinds of advice out there and you can Google all kinds of things. But eventually you're going to end up at a dead end because we weren't created for that. We were created to worship God. We were created to get our peace from Him. We were created to put our hope and confidence in Him. We were created to worship Him. But as I'm reading through the Psalms, the psalmists often express their faith by their openness to the Lord's instruction. 
Not only that, they have an openness not only to his instruction, but his timing and his priorities. So as we go to the Word and we're reading, asking God to help us to be open to his instruction, to be open to his timing, to be open to his priorities. Because what we're doing is we are connecting our feelings to the truth, and the bridge is faith. Let me say that again. When we do this, we are connecting our feelings, which often lie to us. We're connecting our feelings to the truth, and that bridge is faith. That means we are saying things whether we feel them or not. We are declaring them to be true because they are true. And eventually, like I said before, our hearts begin to be transformed. Our thinking begins to change. You guys, God's word is awesome. God's word is powerful. So I'll share with you, as I mentioned before, that Psalm 1, verse 1. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Do you hear the truth there? Do we want joy? When we're anxious, we're not joyful, right? It's true. When we're angry, we're not joyful. When we're having all of these other emotions, we are not joyful. And here the word is telling us exactly where joy comes from. It comes in not following the advice of the wicked. Now I realize there is advice out there that sometimes God uses in our lives, but ultimately the truth comes from him. The truthful advice, the the stuff that's really going to be effective and actually work and be long-lasting does not come from the mouths of the wicked. It doesn't originate with them. It originates with God. He is the one who has the wisdom. It also talks about standing around with sinners or joining in with mockers. There are lots of different ways we can do that. You know, we can be watching uh, television shows we shouldn't that are just kind of stirring up negative emotions in us. We can be with people that maybe cause that to happen. But the point is, our focus needs to be delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, whether that's an actual verse or a principled truth from God's word. Maybe you can't remember exactly how it's worded, but you know what it says, that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for me. So when the enemy tries to throw that blanket of condemnation on me, I am free of that. I can speak to that because it's the truth. I am under no more condemnation because of what Jesus did. A recent experience that I had was I found myself under condemnation a lot in how I was responding to my family. It it wasn't that I was necessarily always responding poorly, but I would always walk away feeling like I could have handled that better. I could have been more encouraging. I could have done this. I could have done that. And I kept trying to like give myself advice Oh, you know, don't worry about it. Oh, it's not a big deal. If God wanted you to say something else, you would. And, but you know what? It didn't get rid of that condemnation that I was feeling and that heaviness. And so finally, 
I just went to the Lord with it. Duh, right? Make the connection, Dorinda. I went to the Lord with it and I said, here's what's happening. I don't know what to do. And it was like God said, just pray for exactly what you want. So I did. I said, Lord, would you just transform my thinking and transform my responses to my family so that they are more God-honoring and more encouraging and give more life? And I just made that a part of my daily prayer. And you know what? He did it. I didn't have to work hard. I did not have to figure it all out. I didn't have to figure out the three points of how I can respond to my kids better and my husband better and the other people around me better. He just did it. And I found myself engaged in conversations with each of them, one at a time, eye contact and really listening. And so I I actually got more than I asked for. Like He gave me all the pieces that would allow me to respond in a much better way. Don't you love that? God is so good. But the other thing I love about this psalm is how it goes on to say that those people who delight in these truths, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So essentially what he's saying is we will continue to bear fruit. We will continue to prosper in spite of circumstances um, when we delight and meditate on the truths of God's word. So what if you have been struggling for a long time, because I know this was me, and you're under the weight of condemnation that your family has suffered because you haven't been doing these things? Let me just encourage you with a scripture in the Old Testament where God, um, I don't have it exactly quoted here, but again, it's the principle that God can make up for what the locusts have eaten that he can redeem anything. He is a God of redemption. So don't let fear and regret get a foothold and bring that cloud of condemnation over you for that. Move forward in courage and confidence that God can redeem anything because here's what's going to happen, you guys. When your family, when the people around you see the change in you, the change that only God can bring, that will be a powerful testimony of who God is and how powerful he is. He will be honored and glorified, not us. He will be honored. Isn't that what we want? That's what we're made to do. We're made to glorify God. It is our highest calling. And often, I'm finding, it means that we are humbled. Because when we are humbled, God is exalted. And that's not a putting down. That's not a, again, that's not a um, looking down on the sufferer. It's not that kind of humbling. It's this meekness and this realization, this deep realization of how great God is and how small we are and yet how much he loves us and cares for us and wants to move and work in our lives. One story that is absolutely so fantastic, and I'm going to share this sermon with you, the link to this sermon, um, where I uh, heard this, I and have to share with you, because he goes into much more detail about it, but, um, but I'll share the link in the podcast notes. 
But Nehemiah, if you if you know anything about that story, Nehemiah was um, was a cupbearer for a king, and there's a lot of details to that story that are kind of amazing. And so listen to the the um, sermon that I'm going to link to um, to get those details because it really gives a, a you know colors a beautiful uh, picture of the story. Um, but Nehemiah was building, he was back in, in, uh, with the people of God, trying to rebuild the wall. And they were having a lot of trouble with the enemy coming in with lots of mocking and um, just lots and lots of discouragement. And, you know, I think that as we're building our families, we can run into that. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys we're a target. The enemy would love nothing more than to destroy us and to destroy our families. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that in just a minute. But understand, the enemy is going to try to discourage you. And so that's exactly what was happening in this particular scene in Nehemiah. But here's what Nehemiah did. This was his response to the discouragement. He said, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Don't you love that? I love, first of all, that he posted families. He posted families at these places and told them not to be discouraged, but to remember the Lord who is great and awesome, which is exactly what I've been talking about throughout this entire podcast. And then he goes on to say, and fight for your families. Moms, you are in a battle, whether you like it or not, as Christian moms And as Christian homeschooling moms, you are engaged in a battle for your soul, for your peace, for your affection, and for your worship, but also for the souls of your children, the souls of your family, for their peace, and for their affection. We want our kids to come to know the Lord. We want them to worship Him, but we're in a battle for that. We were created to worship, you guys. We are worshiping all the time, right? Whether that be singing, actually singing and praising. When we pray, we worship. When we look at creation and and appreciate God's creation, we're worshiping. When we love someone or kind to someone, we're worshiping. We're worshiping all the time. The question is, what and who are we worshiping? What and whom are we putting our hope and our confidence in? Because here's the thing. If the enemy can distract us and get us to worship anything but God, he will. That's exactly what he'll do. So as we put off these things that we know God wants us to put off, we can't just stop there. We need to put on The scripture in the New Testament, again, I don't have that exact scripture, but that scripture talks about putting off sin and putting on righteousness. So if we put off the old, 
but we don't put on the new, the enemy has room to start filling it back up with things we don't want, right? So be sure to put off, but also be putting on. So when we're praying, we're confessing, we're putting off that sin. um, And we are instead turning around and putting on the truth. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And one thing I want you to do is I want you to trust that every day God has something to say to you in his word. Go to the word no matter what it is and trust that he has something to say to you in it. It might be a very small thing. It could be a very big thing. It could be several things. I've noticed that as I've read the Psalms, there are some Psalms that, I, that just talk about the enemy, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, we know justice is going to come. But when you really stop and think about it, when I really went back through it and said, God, what do you have for me in here? I began to recognize that the enemy is sometimes anxiety. Sometimes the enemy is worry. Sometimes the enemy is the enemy trying to get me to be distracted. Sometimes the enemy is coming in and trying to get a foothold in my life or in my family's life or create circumstances that create chaos, right? That's what the enemy does. And so as we read through those Psalms where it talks about the enemy, we can be thinking about those particular enemies in our lives. We know what they are. Right? And if we don't, we need to ask God to show us what they are. But trust that every day God has something to say to you. Isaiah 45, 18 and 19 says, For the Lord is God. He created the heavens and the earth, and He put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. He wants us engaged I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. Don't you love that? God isn't in obscurity. He's not whispering over there, barely able, so we can barely hear his voice. He doesn't whisper obscurities in some dark corner. He publicly proclaims bold promises in his word. And a lot of times we begin to see it around us as we watch nature and how consistent it is and how he always keeps his promises and the seasons keep coming. Um, Every season just continues to unfold faithfully over and over and over again. And so in those ways, he's proclaiming his bold promises. I love what he says here. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. Moms, he would not tell us to seek him if he could not be found. He would not tell you to seek him if he could not be found. And he speaks only what is true and declares only what is right. He will never, ever deceive you. He will never, ever lie to you. Every other source out there has the potential to lie and to be deceitful. But God is, speaks only what is true and declares only what is right. And we find that in his word and by the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our hearts. So as moms and as Christian moms 
And as homeschooling moms, we essentially have a target on our backs. Why? Why do you think that is? I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. Because what we are doing matters. It makes a difference. The most powerful work we are doing is within the walls of our own homes. Because what happens is we prepare these kids, we invest in them, and then they fly. These arrows fly, and here's what happens, you guys. These arrows fly several directions and affect far more people than we ever could. That's why what we're doing is important. We invest in the lives of our kids. We, we, we speak the gospel to our kids. We bring the word to our kids. We pray with our kids. We model what it looks like to trust God with our kids. We disciple them. We walk alongside of them. So what we're doing matters. So if you won't make these changes that I've talked about throughout these podcasts for yourself, I encourage you, do it for your kids. Honestly, I'm going to say over the years, sometimes that was my only motivation. I couldn't get, I couldn't get geared up enough to do it for me, but I could do it for my kids because I loved them to the moon and back. And this is why I believe God uses motherhood to change us, to make us more like him. He does it because we love our kids to the moon and back. Moms, trust him. He is worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your praise, your worship, your focus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the power of your word, for the power of your spirit. God, right now, I pray that your truth would come forth through this podcast, God. All goodness, all right, all truth, and everything right comes from you, Lord. I pray that somehow you would speak because you can do that, Lord. Only you can do that. Speak in a very real and personal way to each and every mom who's listening. Let her recognize what you are saying to her, to hear it, to see it, to catch a vision for what you have for her, Lord. Give her hope. Give her encouragement. Give her inspiration. Fill her home with your peace and your presence, Lord. Empower these moms from on high to raise these kids for you. God, to be effective, not only with their own families, but in their communities, in their churches, with everyone that they come into contact with. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to well up within each mom who's listening to empower and strengthen her to worship you and you alone and to glorify you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.